0: This podcast is also brought to you by Valley Transportation. Valley has over 33 years in the trucking business, moving ag and construction equipment across the country. For more information, go to valleytransinc.com or give Parker a call at 800-657-4910. At Valley Transportation, our goal is to help you reach yours. in the
1: 21st century Hard-working people working hard for
0: Moving Hello and welcome to Moving Iron Podcast. Marcus with Sean Hackett. This edition of the Moving Iron Podcast is brought to you by Axon Tire, helping dealers move more iron for the past 100 years. For more information, go to axontire.com. Also, Valley Transportation has been hauling ag and construction equipment across the country for the past 33 years. Call Parker at 800 657 4910 for all your trucking needs. At Valley Transportation, our goal is to help you reach yours. And no matter how you buy ag equipment from a dealer, auction, or a private party, agdirect.com can help you find it. Not find it. Finance it. You can even apply online at agdirect.com. Learn more about your financing options at agdirect.com. Sean Hackett is with Hackett Financial out of Boca Raton, Florida. And Sean, man, I'm over about five this week on that. I can't seem to get through there. I
2: think you meant to say, help you find finance. Well, that's
0: probably what I... (laughs) What they call it, a Freudian slip, right? There we go. That's, that's what it <laughs> right on man. Well, how how you been, Sean?
2: Good. Really, really good.
0: How's the how's the weather in Florida? Is it still uh, still I don't know below zero or I guess below zero in Florida is a relative term, but I mean is it still so parka weather down there?
2: Well we've had a lot we actually have had a lot of rain I'm very uh, unusual. Yeah. Uh, it's, our, it's our dry season It's just very wet winter for us. Um, all the lakes are full and mm-hmm. everything's green. It's just uh, we just got a bunch of rain last night, so yeah. we're we're fertile right. down here. We're fertile.
0: Right on. Well, <laughs> Crop,
2: crops crops look great down here. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> right on well i mean there there's a, a lot of weather going on in that area right now i mean on the eastern seaboard anyway i mean there's yeah pretty big oh, yeah. pretty big cold snap a lot of lot of uh, cold yeah. weather pulling through there um especially when you get up north into like new york pennsylvania new england those areas are having some like record cold temperatures a friend of yeah. mine from uh where we from south carolina north carolina um just sent him. You know, I saw a Facebook post. They're supposed to get six to, six to ten inches of snow, which is a freaking unheard of amount of snow for that part of the world. Yeah, so, that, that, that's that's
2: so. that's a that's blizzard. That's a blizzard for them. Yeah, that's a blizzard.
0: Yeah. So uh, a lot of weather things happening right now, and and a lot of things to pay attention to. Stuff you've talked about on this podcast quite a bit. So a lot of that stuff's coming. I just wish some of that moisture would make its way a little further west, so we could get some of that out here. But it's uh, it's, we get the cold for sure. We got the cold part, but
2: it's going to shift a little bit mm-hmm. you're going to the, the 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 pattern is going to shift a little bit more west. so i think you're going to start getting more of that moisture and um yeah we've had kind of a East, central eastern base cold um and a stormy pattern it's going to shift more central west mm-hmm. here as we get in the first part of february so so you, you're going to it's gonna it's going to shift to your, your way and you're going to get some of that because definitely need some of that moisture out your way for sure definitely do so.
0: definitely do so all right sean let's talk a little about what's going on here in the marketplace um you know, a lot of news popped up on on uh, the energy front here. You know, you've got um, Russia ever so closely more looking at the Ukraine situation, so we got some geopolitical um, things popping up there. But the price of oil uh, kind of broke through the eighty-five dollar mark here this week, and um, it is uh, flirting with going higher every day. So I guess as you take a look, what's going on in oil and energies in as, in general? What do you see happening there?
2: Well, I think the market's trying to determine, you know, how long is it going to take for either the Middle East to turn the spigots on Mm -hmm. or for the U.S. production to rebound. Um, And neither one has really shown clear signs that it's going to do that yet, despite prices being fairly attractive. And so you're looking at very substantial drawdowns in crude oil inventories. Um, And so the market continues to feel that, you know, it needs to continue to encourage the middle east and the u.s. to bring some production back in and um and until it until it sees the whites of the eyes of the of either one of those factors contributing it's going to stay firm as it has it has right
0: yeah right on you put a report out here earlier this week that i've kind of read through and we've talked about cocoa i think maybe one time on this on this podcast and uh Explain what you what you were kind of talking about a little bit in your in your report you put out about cocoa and how it was had a had a having a, a run up here.
2: Well, you know we've been stuck in a two year La Nina pattern, as you know, mm-hmm. case We've talked about this at your conferences and mm-hmm. on your show, and um, and that tends to produce good, very good weather for West Africa, where they produce seventy percent of all the cocoa, and so we've had big production. and And it was the worst. I think it was the worst performing ag market last year was cocoa. Um, but we're now our forecast, um, as we've been hinting, you know, is we're going to be ending this La Niña. We're going to be shifting towards an El Niño later this later in 22 and into 23, and that shifts the emphasis of where weather is poor, and there's a very very high correlation between uh, dry weather or drought in West Africa as you approach and go through El Niño periods. A very reliable cycle. And I think the point we're trying to make is if we're going into this cycle, um, you know, then that's a, that's, a, that's a market that can have an outperforming or, be out, or outperform to the upside because they don't grow corn, they don't grow soybeans, they don't grow wheat in West Africa, they just grow cocoa. So it's kind of an isolated weather event that will impact cocoa independently of other markets. It can, and so cocoa has a history of really being an independent mover meaning down or up against the grain. And, um, and so we think we're entering a period where this cocoa market could, could potentially wake up um, and start to see some more adverse weather. And what we will also say is because prices have remained depressed for so long, it's a tree crop, like coffee, like oranges. And if you deprive a tree crop of investment, of husbandry, of fertilizer, of insecticide, of all the things of, of planting old, replanting old trees, it rapidly degrades, and you simply cannot turn that production spigot back on immediately when you want to. And so, this past year, for example, we had greenhouse conditions in West Africa, yet Ivory Coast, which is, is which is like the Brazil of cocoa, um, their arrivals for the main crop are down, you know, in excess of five percent despite perfect weather. So, if perfect weather is producing a short crop, Casey, what happens if we get? Less than perfect weather, it could be a real, real significant reduction in production at a time that post omicron, we might actually see demand for cocoa start to rebound substantially again. So we think this is an interesting place to look and um, and so it's it's kind of a a market we think is a, you know could be a top you know in the top list of performers like coffee was last year. I think coffee was the number one or number two performing ag market in the whole. At Commodity Complex, so yep.
0: okay. Talk a little bit about cotton here for just a second. Cotton has had a uh, pretty substantial run up here over the last, well, last week really since the uh, uh, USDA market uh, report came out, and right now we're looking at prices up that that dollar twenty-two a pound range. And I tell you what, that's a that, that's a almost a fifteen cent run up from what it was uh, pre. Pre report. So, I guess as you take a look at cotton, what do you see as some of those driving factors there right now?
2: Well, I mean, we have the old crop is super tight Mm -hmm. because China bought everything. So, we know we don't want to have a lot of cotton lying around. Um, And of course, we also know that cotton demand competes with synthetic fiber, which is crude oil produced. Crude oil keeps going up. That means that cotton has to maintain a competitive edge against you know polyester and such forth and so on Mm -hmm. so um you know there uh, there has always been a pretty tight correlation between the direction of crude oil prices and the direction of cotton prices up or down um and so that's another driving factor and um you know it's just uh it's just that's where we're at and so the market is saying you know we have to get these acres in now now new crop cotton december 22 cotton Hit a dollar. I, I'm trying to look. I, I don't. It's been. I don't. I don't know if we've ever had the following year's crop traded a dollar. I'm not. I'm not saying spot price. I'm mm-hmm. talking about deferred if, price. Yeah. That might be the. Might be the first time we've seen it. I have to take a look. If it's happened, maybe it's only happened once before, that you had a possibly had the you had a one dollar price for the next new for the next crop coming. Yeah. Pretty amazing. Yeah. I mean that is insanely profitable yeah. for cotton farmers. So look, lots of things can happen. Maybe China buys it all, all over again, but I don't know if I'm a cotton farmer and I got a dollar uh, I can lock in a dollar a pound price for my next crop. Shoot, I could just, you know, protect that risk, you know, sell that price, or you know, do whatever you have to do to make sure you got it, and, and take the rest of the year off. I mean, I just don't. Even if you have a short crop, you're going to make money at a dollar, Casey. So, right. you know, I certainly. If I'm a cotton producer, would be wanting to do something to make sure I don't let that price of away on new crop cotton because it's highly likely by the time we get to late summer fall, we're going to have a whole lot more cotton lying around here in the U.S. than we have today, and that dollar price for new for December twenty two cotton is not likely going to be still sitting at a dollar. That would be my suspicion. Right. That's my suspicion. Right on.
0: So. All right, let's talk about soybean uh, crush and, and soybean meal and those kind of things, soybean oil and those kind of things. There is a. I think November was a record month for uh, soybean crush and soybean oil and those kind of things. And as you take a look, going into December, nothing really slowed down much. So I guess as you look at that market right now, what are your thoughts there?
2: Biodiesel, 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 yeah. renewable diesel, renewable diesel. It's the gold rush. It's why so much of the ethanol gold rush we had in the 2000s. I mean, all these plants are coming online in the back half of the year. Um, the, the government's backing it up mm-hmm. Whether you agree with it or not It doesn't really matter, it's coming And the amount of biodiesel we need uh, <laughs> You know, we need to produce a lot more soybeans right. A lot more soybeans um, I mean, we need a lot more soybean acres um, To be planted And I don't think we're going to you know, We need to get that ratio of soybeans to corn At the right level to promote that And so the, the, I think the market is starting to put pencil and paper together and saying look at this crush this crush is not going away and you know what do, we, what do we what do we need to do here and i just think that that's what the market is trying to do now we know south american crops were supposed to be record-setting and now they're not we don't know how they're exactly going to turn out casey but we know we're not looking at top end bin buster soybean crops in south america it's going to be something less now Gotcha, and so that so that puts the market an edge, and so so I really feel that this is a demand-driven story. Um, you know, there's a good demand-driven story here, not just a weather story. Yep, and um, you know, like I said, unless the government changes the policy, which of course they can, but I don't see that happening while Biden is in office, and we know we have two years before that might change, and so I think we got a two-year runway where. The idea is more acres, more acres. And where are those acres going to come from, Casey? Right. You well, know? yeah. They're going to come from corn. They're going to come from, you we know, where? They're going to come from wheat. They're going to, you know, the fringe acres are going to have to give up those acres to soybeans. And um, and it's, it's bullish for the entire grain complex because right. if you have less corn acres, it's bullish corn. Yep. If you have less wheat acres, it's bullish wheat. And so this whole thing, this gold rush for soybeans is a bullish long-term uh, driver here for grain markets overall. Absolutely. Weather story,
0: right? You know that was my next question. So, where, where are all these soybean acres going to come from? And and you're right. I mean, if you take a look at <clears throat> where it's at right now, corn is kind of soybean soybean acres. From what I've talked to and heard and listened to, and those kind of things, um, soybean acres are edging out corn acres a little bit right now, just because of input costs and those kind of things there. But when you start looking at you know explosive you know soybean numbers that are out there, and you're starting to see more and more every day where there's this, this volatility in the marketplace is just, you know, down 20, up 20, down 15, up 10, you know, those kind of things. Especially in the soybean complex, it's almost like the soybeans are, are starting to kind of trade separate from each from everybody else, just like you've seen wheat do in the past.
2: Well, just think of this, Casey. We're having some very good rains in Argentina right now. Mm-hmm. Very good rains. It should be bearish, soybeans. Right. Yeah, they corrected a little bit, and because it, it's a de- the demand is de- is there's uh, there's, another, there's another force. That's why I just mentioned this is more than just a weather story. That, that you know, it's a, it's a demand story, and that's really you know, the corn story in the two thousands wasn't really a weather story. It was a demand story, and then whenever weather got involved, it made it really explosive. You're right. It's starting to separate itself, mm-hmm. and because it has a it has a problem, it needs to address that problem. And the problem is that it needs more acres than current prices are likely to give them, at least the way it looks to us at this point. And that's that's um, you know that's not something you always uh, get in these kind of markets, yeah. but we have, at least for the next two years, we have this runway, and so one has to recalibrate what that means for the grain markets, grain pricing, and such forth and so on. And that's uh, it's an interesting dynamic now. And, of course, if the Chinese feed demand monster comes back online here in the second quarter... Uh, as they rebuild their hog herd, you know they need more soybeans to crush for bean meal feed and everything else. So, right. uh, it's a, it's a good story, and that's why we continue to be favorable to grain markets heading into the spring. Before you know, we might place some kind of a uh, a formidable top that prices all of that. in Because the market's job is obviously. Factor all these things in. I mean, it's not—it's not like this renewable store, diesel story is a secret, right? <laughs> you know, it's not a secret. So the market's going to price this in. We think fully by the spring, and the, and price fully the weather by the spring. And that could be where you might have a formidable top, and we continue to to feel that that might be a place that could place a, a sizable top for a while. And, and producers might want to be really putting pencil and paper together to make, to make sure they don't let you know that. Blow off top or whatever it is that we might see, you will run away from the back to the downside. So even though the, the long-term story is bullish, we might price most of it in here in the first half of the year. So
0: right on. Okay. All right. Let's talk about milk for a minute. Um, last time we talked about milk, milk was was hovering around uh, around 22 bucks, and you know it's right around 20 right now. But it, it's been bouncing back and forth between 20 and 22. For the past, oh, man, almost two months now, it feels like. I'm down to about 19 for a minute, but then it will jump back up. And I guess as you look at milk right now, there are some headwinds there. I mean, even though the price is high, there's still some, there's some, there's some margin issues there that they're still fighting against. So I guess as you look at milk, what do you see happening
2: there? Uh, it, it, just looking at the milk market from a technical perspective, when you have to look at everything, right, everything is... Um, second quarter, Class three milk went right to the 2014 all-time record high for the first quarter. And so so on a chart, when you mm-hmm. see that, that would be a logical place for the market to have a setback. And we did. Mm-hmm. Tune up, we gave two bucks up just like that. Doesn't mean it's the top, by the way, but it means that was the first. You would expect to have the market have a, a pause. Right. Now, what usually happens is you then surge the market back up again and say, is that the top? Or are we going to Go forward, and that's what we don't know yet. But but so so technically, this was a logical place for the market to have a setback. Now there was a lot of fear buying on the idea that a lot of these milk plants were running at less than full capacity because of shortages, labor shortages due to Omicron sicknesses, and that was redu- that was reducing the output for cheese and butter and that sort of thing. And because of that, that was causing a crimp in supply, which you know. Kind of like what we see in the in the cattle, you know, the packing houses. They can't bring the animals through, so the beef price takes off because we're not producing enough beef. Same situation. But there's a flip side to that, right? Eventually you get sick and what happens? You go back to work. Because <laughs> you after two weeks you're healthy and you're you're fine, you go back to work. So there's a and we found out this out with the pagans, they do come back online, they do get back to throughput, and they do get back to producing more beef again and the beef price comes back down and so i think we're seeing some of that happen where we're starting to see some of those plants coming back online or starting to increase the capacity again bringing some of that expertise back online so that's another thing causing fundamentally some of this whipsaw volatility our best guess casey is that we're probably set up for a healthy correction into the late first quarter early second quarter in an ongoing move higher. That's, that's our best guess at this point. We think as these plants come back online and as they increase their output, it's probably going to prevent the market from taking out those 2014 highs and allow for some setback to take place in the market. Um, a healthy correction, but I mean, not, the, not, not, not that actually would be supportive to a much larger move later, which has been our forecast. So what we're trying to say to producers is just make sure you just take care of your second quarter milk You know, don't, you know, don't try to get too cute. Make sure you're protected um, and and, and don't let those, because those prices are profitable. Um, And and we haven't had profitable prices in milk in a long time. And so that's what we're suggesting. But we still think the outlook for milk looks positive longer term. We just think that this, we did hit a roadblock and we think that roadblock probably is going to hold this market back for now.
0: So right on. Well, Sean, good stuff as usual. Folks want to reach out to you and get more information about what you're doing over there at Hackett Financial. What's the best way to do that?
2: Our website is Hackett, H-A-C-K-E-T-T, advisors.com. Lots of information on there to give your listeners a really good idea of how we look at things to see if our information could be of value to your listeners.
0: Right on. Well, Sean, thanks for being on the podcast, man.
2: I love being here always. And and maybe on our next... uh, podcast, we could talk about the Tonga volcano. I've been getting a lot of questions about it. Yeah, that's, that would be a good
0: one to talk about. There's a lot of yeah, crazy things that happened there.
2: Yeah, because I guess so many questions, and I think there's a lot of this might be a good topic for discussion about mm-hmm. what does it mean or does it mean or, or or whatever, but maybe something to talk about on Tuesday. Yeah, so. there were
0: some there's some very cool pictures they found on satellites when that thing went off and everything else. That's pretty neat. Though. But, yeah, there's a big impact there in the, uh, what's that, the South Pacific Sea there. So it's uh, a lot of stuff going on. So anyway... Sean, appreciate you being on the podcast. I'm Casey Seymour with Moving Iron Podcast. Make sure you check me out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. That's where you find the latest editions of the Moving Iron Podcast. Also go to Moving Iron LLC for all moving moving iron-related topics. So with that, I am Casey Seymour with Sean Hackett. Let's go some iron, folks. Out. You want to have a meaningful, competitive advantage to help sell more equipment. Whether you represent the sales, parts, or management department of an implement dealership, there's a surprising amount of complexity when it comes to tire, wheel, and track technology. This podcast is also brought to you by Valley Transportation. Valley has over 33 years in the trucking business, moving ag and construction equipment across the country. For more information, go to valleytransinc.com or give Parker a call at 800-657-4910. At Valley Transportation, our goal is to help you reach yours.
1: Moving iron in the 21st century Hardware friend